As uh, we gather for worship today, uh, I want to give you a little bit different perspective on why we do what we do and how we do the things that we need to do to get the Lord's Word uh, into as many hearts and minds and lives of people as possible. And uh, there's a gentleman who is uh, a guest here with us today who's from the, from the community. Uh, but if you see him on the street, you may not imagine all the layers that uh, go to make up his life. Uh, and the person I'm speaking about is uh, our friend Ron Stanley. And Ron, I'd like for you to come up. Uh, Ron has been active in the Gideon's ministry in Bible distribution and, um, and really just uh, doing uh, everything that you can to make sure that uh, the resources are secured and uh, the people that are on the receiving end of what you guys are able to uh, obtain through uh, the giving of churches in the form of Bibles can can uh, be in the hands of real people uh, all over the world. And you've been to the Philippines a few times, making sure uh, that school-age kids get that opportunity to get the word and to start singing like Rich was talking about, and Brian as well, and to just allow that joy to overflow. Uh, So much rests on what you do. Uh, that we want to just get behind you as a sending church and make the word known to whoever we can through what you're able to accomplish with the Gideon. So with that said, I'd like to welcome you and you. Uh, share what's on your mind. Okay. Thank you. Christian Church has been a <clears throat> tremendous part of the Gideon ministry in our, for our camp over the years, and we thank you so much for that. I received one of those. That's what... Uh, David Lancaster from South Carolina heard when he was having trouble, some technology problems with uh, a program, and he was trying to download it, and he couldn't get it done, so he had to go for technical help. And uh, while it was being downloaded some time there, well, he uh, asked the girl what her name was, and she said it was Faith. And I always said, that's a, that's a nice name, beautiful name. He says, uh, where are you from? And he said, uh, she said, the Philippines. He says, oh, Philippines. He says, that's one of my favorite countries. And she says, well, why is it one of your favorite countries? He says, because I was there in 2011 and had an opportunity to distribute scriptures there. And she said, really? He says, yeah. He says, uh, she says, I have one of those. She says, I have one of those scriptures that you distributed. And she said, it changed, completely changed my life. So as they were talking there and about it and, and uh, what all had happened, he says, I want to share something else with you. He says, we have, what, have a little Bible app or a Gideon Bible app that you can take your, uh, put on your iPhone and turn your, and, uh, so that you have the Bible on your, on your iPhone. Well, she says she was pleased with that, downloaded it while they were talking. And he, she says, now, she says, I have God's word in my hand, and she says, I have it on my phone that I can read it at any time. Who we are, uh, we're business and professional men, we're members of an evangelical Christian church working to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what we do, oops, there we go, Uh, what we do, we, we just... We got a little problem here. What did I do? 
We may have to call the Philippines to get. No, we got it. We got it. <laughs> Come to the rescue, right? <laughs> what we do? That's what he does. Okay. <laughs> and you do it here in the States, right? <laughs> uh, what we do? We distribute scriptures and tell others about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we do. You know, the Gideons were formed in, uh, over 100 years ago, and our mission then was to win men, women, boys, and girls to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That hasn't changed. That's what we're doing today. Last year, over 80, 84.9 million copies of God's Word were distributed in 200 countries. We distribute scriptures in 101 approved languages. Here, a month ago, we went up to Kent State. The local Gideons went up to Kent State main campus and were distributing scriptures. We go up on the same, same Wednesday every month or every year because that's career day. And on career day, uh, the students from the different schools come in, and we can we can pass out testaments to the to the high school students as well as the college students. We distributed 5,621 scriptures that day. The uh, fact that uh, they come there that we can distribute them, but we can't distribute at the schools. Uh, we can't go on school property. Now here at Salem, we can go on the sidewalk, but that's, that's it. And there's just a few schools here, uh, East Palestine and Lisbon and Salem, is the only place that we can distribute scriptures that have a sidewalk that we can, uh, that we can use. So with that, we take that opportunity, and we have a program called the Life Book. And what this Life Book is, it's a book that the, that's given to the, the students. And the students then take this and distribute in the schools. They're allowed to do that. The students are allowed to pass out scriptures, but we're not allowed to go in. The Life Book has over 3.6 million Life Books received just last year. And what you do with this is go to the, the church does it. We don't do it. You do it. Uh, your pastor, your youth pastor, whoever, goes into thelifebook.com. And in there, it'll ask how many youth you have. And it'll say, say you have 40. They'll give you a formula of how many, how many life books you, you should order. Then when you get those, they're free. When you get those, you give those to the students and let the students distribute those whether it be in the schools or wherever. It's theirs to use. It's, your, it's yours to use, however, however you want to use it. Uh, it's been an extremely good program. What it does, it, it, it allows us to get into the schools with the scriptures, with the word, the word of God into the schools. Not only that, but it helps the student become an evangelist, become a witness for Christ by passing, out, passing this out. I want to take you on a trip to the Philippines. We went to the Philippines in January, and we did this for the glory of God, to, to praise Him and thank Him for His many blessings. We had 22, 22 men from uh, seven different countries, from uh, Finland, Germany, Great Britain, Australia, South Africa, and Japan. The gentleman in the front there, uh, the uh, big gentleman with the blazer and, uh, and tan pants. That's Charles Warren. He was our leader. 
and uh, Charles was from uh, Mississippi. And when we talked to the different ones, most of those that came on that list were, spoke very good English, and we could understand them. The only ones I had trouble understanding was our leader from Mississippi and uh, the guy from England. Other than that, other than that, we got along, we got along fine. We went to the island of Luzon. Luzon is the largest island in the, in the chain of islands in the Philippines. And we went to the area of, of Manila, Metro Manila. Now we talk about Manila being the, being the uh, capital of uh, the Philippines, but Manila is not necessarily what we sometimes think it is. Manila is made up of 15 different cities. And Manila is not the largest of those cities. So it's called the Metro Manila area. Uh, the largest of those cities is Quezon City. Now, one thing about that area, the Metro Manila area, it is extremely overpopulated. The population is unbelievable. So we spent a week in Metro Manila area. Then the second week we went north out of Metro Manila, uh, about a two and a half, three hour bus ride north to an area, a province called Papanga, and uh, we spent a week there in the Angels, Angel City uh, distributing scriptures. That's right near the old Clark Air Force Base uh, in, uh, in the Philippines. The Philippines have over 7,000 islands, 102,000, 102 million uh, population. The island of Luzon itself is 48.5 million. Metro Manila is 12 million. But the average income is $7,000. So you can see there's a lot of people, but there's not a lot of income. This is uh, looking at the Metro Manila area across the bay. And as you can see, all of those high buildings there, you think of those being businesses and so on, but they're not. Those are apartments and condos. The population is so, so heavy there that these people live in these condos and they're building more and more all the time. They're just, uh, the population is unbelievable there. Uh, we stayed in a hotel in the uh, southern part of uh, Metro Manila area. And this was our hotel, very nice hotel, very neat, very clean, very functional, not, not fancy, but very, very nice. And uh, right across from it was a building called the Conrad Building. And you can see a walkway there that connects to the mall there. And it's called the Mall of Asia. And at one time, it was the largest mall in all of Asia. And you can see all the motorcycles there. That's one of the major modes of transportation is motorcycles because that's uh, one of the best ways to get around with all of the traffic. So you had this mall and a nice hotel. But when you looked out your window, this is what you saw. This is out of the window of the hotel that I was staying at. These are called squatters. These squatters, or we would probably call them homeless, but they're called squatters, and they live wherever they can live on whatever they can find to live with. Uh, cardboard boxes, whatever it may be. As you go into some of the, some of the city and the uh, parts, you'll see that the, uh, there's no vacant area between buildings because every building that's between that area, somebody's there. They fill, they fill that area up. And I asked the locals there, I said, the local Gideons, I asked them, says, how do they live? And they said, well, they live off of garbage. 
And I said, well, what do you mean they live off of garbage? He says, they live off of garbage. Which I had a hard time accepting and understanding. And he said that uh, they'll go and they'll sort through the garbage to try to find something to maybe clothing, something they can use for, uh, to protect them from, uh, for housing, uh, food, whatever, whatever they can find. But they, they rummage through the garbage when the garbage trucks uh, come and uh, drop them off. Our theme, our theme for the week, or for the two weeks was there, is uh, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. These were some of the students in one of the mass distributions we did, and the fields were indeed ripe for harvest. The schools, the schools themselves, I went to, that's all I went to was schools. I was in the Philippines in 2009, and when I came back, my wife asked me, says, would you go back? And I said, yes, I would go back. But I said, the only reason I'd want to go back is because of the children. Loved the children. They were just beautiful, disciplined, uh, very mannerly. Uh, loved the children. Now, the schools there are, uh, this is a typical school. Not all of them are like this, but most of the schools are like this. Very well constructed, very neat, very clean. But one of the things in the Manila, in Manila or in the Philippines, is that the schools go from kindergarten, the same as what we do here, but it only goes to grade 10. And then uh, they start college at grade 10. Now, what they're doing is they're changing to going to a 12-year school uh, rather than a 10. I don't know how they're going to do that because they don't have room enough for the students in 10 years, but adding two more years on, I have no idea how they're going to do it. But there's a lot of construction going on in all of the schools for, with the uh, intent of trying to accommodate these students. But the outside of the buildings were very, very well constructed and very well taken care of. The inside of the buildings were a little bit different. This was a typical teacher's desk. This was not unusual. It isn't one that I just happened to find. There was many of these. And uh, the students' desks also were very, uh, many of them broken in, uh, in disrepair. Uh, students would be everywhere, any place they could have an open area that the, they could have a class. This was one that was out in the walkway, and the students were being taught there. This is one that was, uh, students were up on the stage in the, in the auditorium, in the gymnasium, uh, being, taught, being taught up there, just sitting on the floor. Uh, this is in uh, the gymnasium, this is in the, in the bleachers in the gymnasium, and uh, they were holding classes in there. I said about the overpopulation and the schools are overpopulated. <clears throat> What they do is that they divide the they divide the students to morning classes and afternoon classes. The morning students start at six in the morning and they go till noon. The afternoon classes start at one and go till seven o'clock. You can see maybe hopefully you can see there a little bit and the students there, the ones in the front there are coming in for the afternoon classes and in the background those students are leaving. Uh, they've been there since since morning. We did different types of distribution. This was one um, that we did where we would pass out testaments to the students as they come in. And when we went to the schools, I asked if we could go to the 
could go in the classrooms, and they says, no, says uh, the school's too large. We don't have time to go in the classrooms. And I said, well, how many students are in here? They said, 18,000. 18,000 students in that school. So we, we distributed scriptures there from early in the morning till in the afternoon and distributed over 12,000 12, scriptures in that, in that school. The uh, schools <clears throat> combine a lot of the high schools and the colleges together just because of space. You can see in this picture the, the girls in the plaid skirts, those are high school students as they're coming out from class. Uh, the young lady in the uh, jumper there, the black jumper, she's going in. She's a, she's a college student. The students in college uh, wear different uh, clothing depending on what subject they are taking. We would do the mass. We would do the mass distribution. We'd have all the students come out, and they would stand, and we would or sit down, and we would talk to them. And uh, we had about five, five, six minutes, so we could talk to them, and then we would, then we do, we do a distribution. And as they would come by, we would, we would hand them a testament. And the thing that really got me was that when those students, when those students come by, they would walk by, and they would look you in the eye. They would look you in the eye when you handed that testament to them. And they'd say, thank you, Pa. Pa is a sign of respect. Thank you, sir. They did it time and time and time and time again. It just puts chills over you to see that sincerity from those, from those young children. It's beautiful. We distributed two types of scriptures. Uh, the blue one is the blue one is the English, and the uh, and the red one is the Tagala. Tagala is the uh, native language. If somebody says they speak Filipino, it's probably a pretty good chance that they're speaking Tagala. Uh, I didn't mention this at the early early service, but one of the things that really amused me was that uh, English is the official language in the Philippines. And everything you see, all the road signs, everything is in English. But they speak Tagalog. All of their conversations are in Tagalog. Very little English is used in the, between, between the people. And uh, so I said to him, I says, everything's in English, but you're speaking Tagalog. And they said, yeah. I said, why do you do that? And he looked at me and he says, that's what we do. Okay. <laughs> Explanation. The the other th the other area was was the, was the classroom distribution. And what a what a beautiful opportunity we had here uh, with the with the students. We would go into we would go into the classroom and talk to the talk to the students. And what I would do when I go in, I'd say, <clears throat> "Now we're here to to distribute the scriptures to you. And what we're going to do, we're going to give you a book." And the reason I use the word book is because they don't have books. The students do not have books. This teacher has a book, goes writes on the chalkboard, and the students all use, they uh, write down then uh, from that. But they do not have, they do not have books. So what we would do, or what I would do, I'd tell them, now I want you to open your book, I want you to open your scripture to the front, and I want you to sign your name in the front. That means that this book, this Bible, belongs to you. Not your brother, not your sister, not your mom and dad, nobody else. It belongs to you. It's okay if they read it, but 
it belongs to you. So that's the reason you sign your name in it. Then after that, what we want you to do is to read this. We want you to read this part about it. Because this part tells you about Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus Christ, we tell them that Jesus Christ was put on a cross. He was, he was beaten and put on a cross. He was nailed to that cross. He died on that cross. He was put in a tomb. He rose out of that tomb. And he ascended into heaven. And do you know why he did that? He did it for you. He did it for every one of you. And the same, same is true here today. He did it for every one of you. But when we would tell them this, this is the kind of response we would get. The intensity, the way they listened was unbelievable. Say now, say, all of you have some knowledge. We'd ask them if they knew Jesus. And they'd say, most of them would put up their hand. And I said, now, some of you know a little bit about Jesus, and maybe some of you know a lot about Jesus. But what we want you to do, when you read these scriptures, we want you to take this little bit of knowledge, or this whole big amount of knowledge that you have about Jesus Christ. What we want you to do is we want you to take this knowledge, and we want you to transfer that. We want you to transfer knowledge into love. And when you transfer that knowledge into love, then that's when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when you have done that, then we want you to go to the back, the back of the book, and sign back here that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And as you can see here, this young, this young man did that. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful time with those students. And... Uh, <clears throat> This is why you do it right here, because of these students. Why don't you take, a, take maybe a close look at this picture if you can, if you can make it out. There's something different between the picture on the left and the picture on the right. And the fact that the picture on the left, the students, several of the students are wearing glasses. They don't wear glasses. They don't have the money to buy glasses. The students on the right, there's none of them wearing glasses. You could tell... A lot of times when you go into the different schools, uh, what the, the poverty that they had because of the shoes they're wearing. Some of them, their shoes may be two, three sizes too big. The sides would be torn out of them or they'd be worn out. But that's the only, only pair of shoes that they had probably in the whole house. We went into one superintendent's office or principal's office. And he says, I want to show you something. And this was in their, in their conference room. And this, this was on the... Uh, in front of the table and he said that I sit down when we have our conferences he says I sit down in front of this picture and he says in this picture he says I tell our, tell our teachers what I want you to do he says I want you to love your students just like Jesus loved these children then we went over to his office and when we got over to his office he had this picture now that was on the other wall, and uh, he, he had to look at that wall, and he says, I have that over there so that I can look at that so that I know that I can never take my eye off of Jesus, because if I do, I will sink. The two weeks, the two weeks that we were there, we did 1,551,000 scriptures. Uh, we're busy. 
We started at, uh, I usually got up at 4.30 in the morning, and uh, a lot of times we didn't get back uh, until 6 that night. If you felt like eating something, you would get something to eat. If you didn't, you just went to bed and you did it all over again the next day. But the Lord gave us strength and energy to do what we needed to do. Again, I didn't mention this at the early service, but while I was there, I've had several bouts of pneumonia and bronchitis. And uh, while I was there on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, I felt bronchitis or pneumonia coming on. And it kept getting worse and worse. But you know, the Lord took care of that. I had the strength and the energy to do everything I was called to do. Didn't talk very well uh, because of the bronchitis. But the Lord gave me the strength. You know, when we go on these, there's a lot of people praying for us. You can feel those prayers. And that was one of the times I could feel those prayers. I see I have a typo here. I said 151 in the one, but uh, 52 here. Uh, so it's uh, 1,551,000 uh, scriptures. And that's a lot of scriptures that we distribute in those areas. But you know, just in Metro Manila area, there's 12 million people. So there's a lot, a lot of people that we didn't get to. So that's about what we did. That's what we did in, uh, in the Philippines. What, what can you do? Well, one of the ways you can help the Gideons is through the Gideon card program of using the Gideon card. Uh, there's information uh, in the insert that's there talking about the, uh, tells you a little bit about the Gideon card program. And the Gideon, the Gideon card program, last year there's over 12.8 million people received God's word through this program. Donating Bibles at $5 each. You know, each one of us, each one of us, as a commission. This commission was given to, to Christ's disciples. And it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when we talk about the ends of the earth, we talk about all over the earth and the Philippines as well. Reaching out to those. This is our commission. This is what we're called to do. It's to spread the gospel throughout the world. You know, when we, when we distribute scriptures, uh, different ones have commented about that they got a testament when they were in school. And uh, maybe it was years before they ever come, come to know Christ. Or they saw one in a hotel and it was years before they come to know Christ. But you know, Isaiah tells us. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Sometimes when we witness to people, whether it be family or friends or whatever it may be, we say they just don't get it. Well, maybe they don't. But if we, if we have witnessed to them with the gospel, it will not return void. We may not see it in our lifetime, but... God's made us a promise. He's given us a commission, and along with that commission, he's given us a promise. So the question is, what can you do? What what you can do is what you've already done. You have supported the Guinean ministry over the years tremendously, and you're so thankful for churches like this. You've supported us wonderful, and we thank you so much for that. Support the Gideon ministry. You can support it financially and by members. We have members here 
see Mickey there, a member of the Gideons. And uh, we're always looking for new members. We need new members. I don't know if you know it, but some of us are getting older. You know, it's just kind of the way it works. And uh, so we need, we need new members. But the most important thing that you can do is to pray. Pray for the Gideon ministry. That is so important. Pray that doors will remain open where they are and the doors won't be closed. Hospitals, nursing homes, uh, schools, colleges are all getting more difficult to, to get into because they're closing the doors to us. And, uh, we can't do it without you. That's how the Gideons operate, is by your support. The Gideons are a missionary arm. We are just a missionary arm of this church and all churches that support the, support the ministry. We can't do it without your financial help, and we can't do it without your prayers. Your prayers are so important to the Gideon ministry. But most of all, when your prayers, we can't do it without your prayers and the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit to guide us each step of the way as we become witnesses and distributing scriptures. So why do we do this? Just have one picture of why I did it. That's why I did it. Love the children. What a wonderful time. Ron, I can thank you for what you're doing as far as just letting God use you the way he has. And I know you've been with the Gideons a number of years. Uh, Ron shared with me that um, the last uh, go-around to the Philippines, uh, his, I think he just let so many barriers get out of the way to keep him from going that finally when, when he was basically told he was going to go, and he's like, I guess... And then you're like, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't, I don't, uh, and, and as it turned out, you got pneumonia as well. <laughs> and God's like, don't worry about it, I'm calling you, you're going, and you didn't let a lack of faith get in the way, you just said, all right, you went home, told your wife, and your wife said, we're going to get you looked at, see if that head injury is, uh, is uh, <laughs> working. But the, the fact of the matter is, as, as I'm kind of joking about that, you said, we don't have the money, honey, but somehow God will provide. And then you shared three different people offered to sponsor you in this and pay for your within trip. A, within a matter of days. Within a matter of days. A matter of days. We had uh, figured it was going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood. We have to pay our own way. And neighborhood of uh, five to $6,000. And uh, I got a call on Monday morning seeing if I'd want to go. And I told him I'd love to go, but I didn't know where the finances were going to come from. And he says, I understand that. So he says, give me a call back, what you decide. And I said, we'll pray about it. So we prayed about it, and I talked to my wife, and of course finances and all were an issue. And on uh, Thursday morning, I said, uh, thought to myself through prayers, I have two options here. One is to... Uh, see where I can get the money, how I can, where we'll take the money from, and then say we'll go, or I can say I'm going to go and let the Lord provide. That afternoon, I got a call and said, uh, uh, we'll pay for the tickets, plane tickets. 
Saturday morning at prayer breakfast. I was talking about it and asking him to pray about it. And on the way out, uh, one of uh, fellow Gideon says, how much do you need? And I said, probably five, 6,000. He says, go, you're covered. That night, one of the other Gideons called and said, uh, I've been praying about this all day. And he says, I feel I need to give you something. He said, do you need any upfront money? And I said, yes, 500. I have to send in with my application. And he says, uh, next Saturday, I have a check for $1,000. Lord's wonderful. Lord's wonderful. So if God calls you, he's going to make it happen. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Sounds like he could have made it happen for another person. One of you guys could have gone with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, but keep that in mind because uh, there were 18,000 school children that you had an opportunity to present Bibles to that you can't even uh, go any farther than the sidewalk across the street here. Yeah. And you had uh, 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 1 million five hundred and change uh, distributed throughout the whole Manila greater province mm-hmm. and who knows where those Bibles are going to land but I'm, I'm guessing odds are a fair number of people will come to know the Lord, know the Lord through that and so it's about. all good and God said I got a plan and Ron you're part of it <laughs> the thing is that plan is going to continue on even after you retire. That's right. And however it is that God wants to retool the plan or keep it the way it is, he may be asking one of us, are you, uh, are you, are you game for doing something that's going to make an eternal difference? And so I guess I'm just making a call here. God may be churning something in your heart regarding doing something. It may not be the Gideons, but it may be something that has to do with making sure that no one is disconnected from his word or his son. And Ron, we're so grateful that you have been an example for us in that way. And we know know that it's got to continue. Pleasure to serve him. (laughs) I know know you're very blessed as a result of that, that, that love that you have for the Lord. And you've got story after story of how God's blessed you. But for now, I would just trust that that is the case. And I want to pray for you and pray for our people here. Thank you. Okay. Father, I'm thankful for all that you do in our lives to help us to see your vision for the gap between what you, uh, what you see as a possibility for life in you and what you see as people not connected to that possibility through your word and your son and your spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would just bless the Gideons as they close that gap, as they allow your word to speak powerfully and in a way that gives life like nothing else. And I pray that you continue to bless them and bless Ron as he uh, just fulfills his calling there. And Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room. Lord, you have called us for vocation. No matter what it is, uh, those are pathways that you see uh, that can open up for your word to travel. And so I pray for everyone here that you would just give us an awareness of how what you've placed us in is a place of opportunity for your word to be made known through relationships. And maybe, Lord, if there's anyone here who's called to do something on a greater scale that demands a lot more attention and energy, that you would just um, 
Help those who fulfill those roles in your kingdom to see that calling on their hearts and respond. However it may be, Father, we just pray that we would do all things for your glory. And I pray uh, right now as we lift these things up for those within our midst who need to know you in a more personal way. That through what you've been able to do through us today, Father, you would make that, um, that awareness so acute that it leads to a step towards you and adoption into your family as our Heavenly Father and we as your children forever. And that's really a very nice thing to hear as we think about us and our friends in the Philippines uh, being adopted into something as great as your family, Lord. And so thank you, Father, for working in each of our hearts. Thank you for what you've done through our brother Ron. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.